Blog Talk Radio. Challenging, thought-provoking, insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend, Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. That creeped up on us, didn't it? Crept up on us, creeped up on us, one of the one of the two. We don't know which it is, but it did it. Whatever whatever it's called, that's what it did. And you know why it did? I'll tell you why. Most of you probably know why, because everybody's still eating. Because the food is so good here. No kidding around. Eating, talking, fellowshipping, laughing. You know, it's it's just awesome. What an awesome opportunity. If you're ever in the Delaware, Maryland, Pennsylvania, New Jersey area, uh, Feel free to come by at 5. We have good eats. That's one thing we do is we laugh a lot and we eat well. So this past week we had several uh, Center for Self-Governance classes in the state of Delaware. And we also had our first online class, uh, Delaware State Constitution Online 100, uh, class 100. And so uh, ironically we only had one person from Delaware. We had a bunch of people on it, but only one from Delaware. So uh, we were expanding. We had a first level five graduates uh, this past week. I happen to be one of them, proud to say. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on and on and on. Welcome, Alaska. We're glad you joined us today. Um, we hope you are all well up there. And uh, <clears throat> so today, I don't know if we have 60 minutes worth of talking to do. You know, you know me. I'm always running out of stuff. So yeah, right. it could be it could be that we finish early and you can get you a second uh, second cookie or more ice cream or uh, another slider or whatever the case may be. Or maybe you do some jump, jumping jacks, burn off all that stuff. So the title of today, by the way, uh, before I get started on that, I want to say hello to Chris, uh, Kahalen and the Kahalen family and my buddy Eric listening. And we uh, we have been praying for you for a long time. We're gl- glad also to look back and see our good friend Don uh, and so many that are fighting cancer. Our, our brother Sean will be back from uh, overseas soon and we'll be glad to see him. But we, uh, we a special prayer for that special operations uh, command uh, leader down in Lackland Air Force Base that was murdered by one of his um, one of the students, he was under non-judicial punishment, was going before him to get in trouble, and for something he'd done, and uh, he killed him. So, uh, unfortunately, um, that happened. That's a real thing that happened. And the guy used to be in the FBI. He was in the FBI for two years in the New York office. We don't know what happened uh, other than you know, maybe one slipped through the cracks. We don't know. So, but we have to pray for that family because you never think when you're the commander of a stateside base that you're going to be murdered. 
in your workplace. So that's a tragic thing. So there's lots of stuff going on, and if you're interested in the political side of it, this is the, you know, tomorrow is the collision of faith and politics, but today is, uh, today I'm just calling it Sunday uh, Sean Talk, the Sunday Sean Talk, or Sundays with Dr. Sean, whatever you want to call it. Um, and what we try to do is feed your soul here and give you some power for your week and give you some things to think about. So hopefully we strike a chord, uh, and hopefully the sound is good. We've been having some trouble with our internet. And uh, we've tried to enhance that a little bit. So, okay, let me read this to you just for fun. The, the name of this is The Inquiring Greek They Asked Because They Needed to Know. Among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greek-speaking Jews. They approached Philip, the one from Bethsaida and Galil, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Yeshua. That's John 12. 20 through 21. I have another thought that made me think of there that I want to kind of plant in your in your mind before we go too far, and that's uh, take it. You have to take it before you get it, before you can receive it, you have to take it. And there's a tie in there. Mark 11:24, the New, New American Standard Bible, uh, Mark 11:24. Therefore I say to you all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they shall be granted to you. The Greek word there uh, is in, in English is translated received, but actually um, the word is lambano. lambano. Uh, that's a Greek word, the Greek word lambano, which means to actively receive. In English, we use the word take to describe actively receiving. Take. Now, the question about it is. <clears throat> How does that mess up what we know about some different verses that, that puts us in a different mode theologically? We have to think a little differently about what we've learned over the years, maybe, and maybe you study this, and I'm sorry to repeat it uh, and to be redundant, but I'll give you all your money back if, you, if you've heard this before. For example, the following scriptures contain the Greek word lumbano. This may help you to a better understanding of what receive means when it translates, translates this word lumbano. Mark 12:8. This is the New King James Version. And they took him and killed him <clears throat> and cast him out of the vineyard. John 19:6, also the New King James Version. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. You take him. And crucify him, for I find no fault in him. As the above passage, sometimes lambano is translated as take or took. And it's not at all passive. Look, this is not a passive thing. It's a very active thing. So Mark 11, 24, let's, let's do that one just for fun. Uh, Therefore I exhort you, all things, whatever you pray for and ask, have faith that you have taken hold, and it shall be for you. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, Trust that you are receiving it, and it will be yours. That's the complete Jewish Bible, Mark eleven twenty four. So this verse is saying to us that when we pray, we're to believe we take what we're asking for, and then we'll have those things. Part of the problem is, is we are too passive. Now, right now, even, uh, well, I don't know if it's over yet or it's still going on or about near the end, this Azusa Festival, uh, it, it was the, one of the biggest revivals in America, Azusa. Have you guys ever heard, heard of any, any of you in here who are charismatic and, and 
you've or you've been to Pentecostal. Uh, maybe you come from a Pentecostal background. Azusa is a big deal. And so I have friends actually that were in level five training with me and that were uh, went out for a day or two to LA, LA, where it happened. I think it's Azusa is the name of the street or the something there. And there was a big awakening that happened. Um, and it was really pretty cool. So uh, they're there now. And <clears throat> so they would tell you uh, in, in the more um, charismatic or Pentecostal uh, tradition, they would tell you, look, you, you've got to take the promise. You've got to take the gift that God gives you, not in the gift wrapped in a paper, but take the blessing. He's giving us blessings all the time. I'll tell you the secret way you do that here in a second. So this verse is saying to us uh, that we are to believe we take what we're asking for, and then we will have those things. That sounds very simple, and I know people that are in a lot of struggle right now. I have a good friend that's listening right now. He's going through a major life struggle. Some of it he brought on himself. Some was, was brought on by you know what we do that, don't we? Mm-hmm. It's not always all somebody else. It's always us. Sometimes it is always us, and sometimes it is somebody else or something else, but sometimes it's a combination. And so we have to remember that with that comes a price. And I, I have a good friend of mine. He's going through going through some stuff. He's working through, and, and he and his family are working through that. And I love him for that. I have a lot of respect for him for doing that, for him and his first family. But, but you have to take hold of the blessings that come from the other side of the struggle, the middle of the struggle, the other side of the struggle. Sometimes we forget, right, when we're in this, this really tough challenge in life, we're in the middle of it, and, oh, Lord, I need your help, I need your help, I need your help. And then it smooths out a little bit in the middle, right? We, we forget. We forget that we have to ask him for our help continually. And then what happens? We have to thank him in advance, in advance because he's promising. We're, we're just simply saying, I remember your promise. We don't have to remind him of his promise. God is perfect. He's the creator of, of everything. He's behind all this, and so he's perfect. He knows what he promised you. So we're not reminding him of his promises necessarily because he already knows, but we're reminding him that we know and that we trust him in that. So sometimes when we're in the midst of that storm, about the middle of it, we've got to remember, don't let go. When did when did uh, Kepha or Peter start? He said, you remember the story I told several weeks ago, you've heard it a million times, where he stepped out and saw what he thought was Yeshua. He recognized him immediately. The other ones weren't so sure. But he knew immediately. He looks out and, and he says, come. Yeshua says, come. Jesus says, come. Step out on the water in the dark and stormy. And he does. And he's walking on water. My land, how amazing. But what's he do? Same thing we all do, right? We all do this. As soon as it starts to be better than we thought it was going to be or better than it was, we look away. We look back to our own thing. We say, I got this. And then what happens? We start to sink. We start to sink. So, so this simple, uh, you know, this verse, I'll, I'll read it again just for fun. Therefore, and this is Mark eleven twenty four in the Complete Jewish Bible. Um, Therefore, I, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, I trust that you are receiving it and it will be yours. Uh, there's another translation. Therefore, I exhort you, all things, whatever you pray for and ask, have faith that, that you have taken hold. Lambano, taken hold but also receive. Remember, when, it, when you hear receive, it may mean take the, the meaning of I'm taking, I'm physically doing something. You'll see what this means in a second. So 
how do we do it? I, you know, it sounds so simple. Uh, gosh, you know, okay, so and so is sick, and we've been praying for so and so. So all we have to do is take the promise that God gave us, and they're going to be instantly well, right? Because that's how it works. That's that's the simpleness of we pray for them, and we believe, and we've got more than two there, so they're instantly going to be healed, right? Isn't that the way it works? We've got enough cancer in the room right here and right now to know we've got a medical doctor here. We know enough, enough people have been through enough stuff, enough struggles, that that's not the case. It will be one day, but it's not the case today. We still live in a broken world. doesn't mean God won't heal, but here's the thing. And this is a simple statement. If you write only one thing down today, this is the thing I want you to write. We must take them by faith. But how do we take them by faith? We release words of faith. These are powerful words. We release words of faith based on what God has said in his word, man, the Bible. I'm going to say that one more time. We we release words of faith based on what God has said in his word, the Bible. We release it based on what God said. We're not talking about forcing God to do something, but to receive or take what is already offered. Remember what I just said. He made these promises. Does He doesn't need to be reminded of them. He knows what promises he made, but do we know? Do we know? Are we immersed enough in Scripture, in his word, to even know? People say, well, the Bible didn't work for me. I said, well, how much of the Bible do you know? Well, I don't know. I've I, I read it a few times. Really? Um, did, you ever, did you read Moby Dick? Oh, yeah, we had to. Wow, good, right? What's on page 334? 334? I, I don't even know. Does it have that many words? Or does it have that many? Yeah, it's got 700 and some, 700 and some pages. You don't know what's on 334? You, you read, right? Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I read, I read, I read some of it. Sometime, some I guess, in eighth grade. And I don't know if I read all of it. I mean, we had certain questions, and they were on certain chapters, and I went to those chapters, and I kind of read them looking for the answer, and that's kind of what I did. Well, guess what? The Bible doesn't work that way. Scripture doesn't work that way. It's the whole thing. There's a lot of people right now that they, they reject Old Testament. They're, they're really hurting themselves and their faith by doing that because you reject really what is – people say, well, it's just such a terrible – you know, gruesome thing in some spots. And some of it's so boring, begat so-and-so-and-so-and-so. That's your lineage, folks. That's where you came from. That's how you know the Bible is true. Because we can trace it all the way back. How, what a privilege that is. We don't even need these uh, these things on television. They say we get a leaf here and there. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's kind of interesting and fun. But the fact of the matter is we know our lineage, don't we? We know where it goes. It goes all the way back. It was all the way back, and we need to trust in that. So how can you believe you have received something before you actually see it? Well, that's easy. How do you do that? You just need credible evidence, right? We're not going to believe what we don't see credible evidence. If we see sketchy or bad evidence, we're not going to believe it. We're going to say, well, UFOs were sighted and so-and-so, and they took somebody up, and then they impregnated them. They're down here on Earth, and they had three um, ET babies. And I mean, they look human, but this happened, right? So we got these crazy, weird things that happened. 
But here, let me give you this. Let me just give you this. Sometimes credible comes in, who does the information or the evidence come from? If you trusted somebody, really, really trusted them, I mean, you really trusted this person, and they told you, this trusted person, this friend or family member, probably probably stick with friend because we usually trust our friends better than family. So this trusted family member or friend, they come up to you and say, hey, you know what? I've just deposited a huge sum of money into your bank account. I mean, big giant wads of folding money. Not, I mean, we're talking crinkly money, folded up money, the real stuff, the bills. And I don't mean dollar bills either. We're talking tens and above. And they said they did this, and, and you love them, you trust them, you never give any reason to, to doubt them before. They're credible. So what, what happens? What do you do? Trust them. Well, you know what? I trust you, and I think you're pretty cool, and you're pretty great, and all these things. And, you know, I've been knowing you. I've been knowing you a long time. But you know what? Let me just get on the phone with my bank and see, is that money in there? Do you really think that person is credible if you have to check? That's great, but I'm going to wait to hug your neck and thank you very much until I know for sure it's there. Or a person you really genuinely trust, what do you do? You rejoice. You don't wait. You don't call the bank. You don't say, my goodness, why in the world would you do that? That's such a nice thing. I mean, don't undo it, but why in the world would you do it? That's so nice. I can't believe you did that. Folded money, real money, crinkly money. Well, you have to go to the bank to see because it's credible evidence. Because sometimes, sometimes, sometimes people tell you things and they're credible and you can believe them. Well, God, who cannot lie, is credible. He told us many, many things in his word. When we pray in line with what God's word already says is ours, that's our evidence on which we can base our belief. Now, would you say a family member or a friend, no matter how much you love them, no matter how much you trust them, no matter how much they, they, they either haven't let you down ever or they've only a few times let you down, how much more trustworthy is God, the creator of all things, the almighty God, Hashem? How in the world are we going to put him and what he says, he who cannot lie, behind anybody else we trust? He said, I gave you these promises. I told you you could have them. And yet we still do not believe. God has told us many, many things in his word. When we pray in line with God's word, that's the key. I said it twice, we're going to say it third time. When we pray in line with what God's word already says is ours, that is our evidence on which we can base our belief. Now, let me give you an example of what not to do. Lord, I am six foot four almost. I'm really praying fervently that you will make me, by the end of this radio broadcast, seven feet tall. I've always wanted to be seven feet tall. Lord, you said ask, and it should be given to you. I'm going to do that. Did he ever promise me that I was going to be tall if I asked to be tall? No. What did he promise me? He promised he would sustain me. He said, if I feed the, the flock, if I feed the sparrow, if I feed these beautiful flowers, you see these beautiful flowers out here? I feed them. They don't worry about where their meals come from. The sparrow doesn't worry about but if I also, a sparrow falls and I know about it, won't I know about you? The psalmist said, I keep an account of your sorrows. I, I, I keep your tears in a bottle. And you say, I feel so lonely. I'm so lonely. I, I just, I'm so alone. I feel like 
Nobody cares about me. And yet, the creator of the universe said, not only do I care about you so much, I, I care about the, the sparrows flying around. Aren't there gazillions of them? One of them falls. I know about it. doesn't escape my notice or my care. Not one tear falls off your face, off your cheek, that I not only don't keep an account of, but I keep it in a bottle. Man, that's love. That's trustworthiness. God who cannot lie. God says it, we can believe it. Right? Sounds very, very simple, doesn't it? God says it, we can believe it. So that's our evidence by which we can believe we receive something when we pray. Oh, let me say that again. We can believe it. When God says it, we can believe it. So that is our evidence by which we can believe we can receive something, wait for it, when we pray. How many people say, man, I just need somebody to pray for me. And you, oh, what's the problem? What's going on? What's wrong? And then they tell you, they're sorted, sorted, sorted tale. You say, well, I'll pray for you. Will you please pray for me? I'll pray for you. Then what do we do? We get in our vehicles and we get about our day and we forget to pray for them. Or maybe we weren't sincere when we said, I'll pray for you. Sometimes in Christian circles, you know, I hate church words. I hate all that stuff. Sometimes in church circles, we say stuff that we don't mean, but we cloak it in real churchy stuff, real churchy words, right? We put it, we put it together so it sounds a certain way. I talk about this in my book, Excellent Skill of the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Church Words. Church words really separate. And divide us from the very people that we're to reach. But you know what it also does? It divides us from our relationship with Christ. I, I firmly believe that. Because we put on this cloak of righteousness. It's, it looks like righteousness, but it's not. And we fool people. But you know the worst person in the world to fool is? Ourselves. We fool ourselves. But we can believe and we can receive when we pray. So many people... Don't actually pray. I said an example just a little while ago about the person who said, well, I tried reading the Bible. I read the Bible and didn't do anything for me. And then I gave you the example of Moby Dick and page 334. Well, what's on page 334? Well, I don't know. The Bible is something to be scoured and devoured and savored and read and over and over and over and over constantly, constantly. I tried praying. It didn't work. Pray without ceasing, one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. doesn't mean you're to walk around praying, bumping into stuff with your eyes closed. It means always be in an attitude of connection and contact and tethering and remembrance and mentorship and following of God. Pray without ceasing. We say, well, I, I pray and it didn't work. Well, tell me a little bit of what, 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 you, what the circumstances were in the prayer. Well, I was out of gas in my vehicle, and uh, I prayed that God would just make my car go because I didn't put gas in it. Do you do that often? Oh, yeah. It's worse. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I don't put gas in it. Why don't you put gas in it? I hate going to gas stations. I just don't like going to gas stations. I just don't like putting gas in it. And I just So I just don't do it. You know what's going to happen next time you do that? I mean, after... Because God's not going to get you out of this. Guess who's going to get you out of this? Somebody's going to put you in their vehicle, hope it's not a rapist or a bad person, and they're going to take you and they're going to put a little gas in. They're going to take you back to your vehicle. They're going to put some fuel in, and then you're hopefully going to be able to start, depending on what kind of car you have. If you run it too empty of gas, 
you might have a real hard time getting it to start. And then you say, whew, boy, that was close. Huh. What do we say? Do we say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending that person? Or do we say, why? Well, I, I really uh, dodged a bullet there. But then what do we do? Do we change anything? Do we say, you know, i got to quit this running out of gas business. My goodness, I'm 50 years old. I need to know better than to run my tank with an eighth of or a tenth of a tank in there. I need to get gas before then. I need to fuel up. I need I passed gas station 27 times on the way to and from where I'm going. I, I should stop in there and just get me a little bit of fuel. God bless you. But you know what happens? We get a little bit farther from the fire, and it doesn't. we don't feel it anymore. And we say, well, I'm far from the fire. I'll be fine. I'll be fine. You know what? You can't, you can't receive what you don't pray for. Not pretend prayer. Not, well, I thought about it. I mean prayer. Now you say, well, does that mean I have to get on my knees and, and fold my hands a certain way? And do I have to learn a bunch of church words? No. In fact, I would even say the opposite of the church word thing because God knows what language you use. He knows how you talk. Talk to him with respect and with reverence, but talk to him, just like you would talk. Not some made-up thing, but real. And the part about getting on your knees and folding your hands, you can if you want. You can if you want. I like that. I think there's some power in humbling yourself before God. I think there's some power in, in separating yourself from the rest of your family and, 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 and just distractions and putting yourself, you know, talk about a prayer closet, putting yourself away from everybody and focusing and praying. Try that sometime. Really praying. Not fitting it in at the end of the day when you're laying in bed. Is there anything wrong with praying while you're laying in bed? No, not at all. Is there anything wrong with praying in the shower? You know, oh, I forgot to pray. Let me fit this in. If you're just fitting in your prayers, if you're squishing them into that little bit of crevice that's left of your day, I got a newsflash for you. You're going to have very little power in your prayers. Your scripture reading, if it's a last-minute, last-ditch thing, you're going to have very little power delivered to you through your scripture reading. So, you 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 know, um, by our faith, we take it. We're not taking it from God. He's already given it to us. How precious is that? He's already given it to us. He's already given us these blessings. So I'd like you to say this to yourself, kind of you don't have to say it out loud. When I pray, I am supposed to take the answer by faith. Lambano, Greek, receive is often what, what is translated. But in reality, take. Take it. I've got to take it. Somebody says, look, there's many people in this room that have or have had cancer. Man, do I ever hate that disease. Took my father, took many good friends. I've got two beautiful, wonderful friends I've been friends with a long time that are fighting the good fight. I've got a good friend back there fighting the good fight. I've got people here that have fought the good fight. Man, I hate cancer. Cancer's terrible. I hate it. I just hate it. I despise cancer. But you know what? Here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know God loves me enough that he provided an answer to every question I could ever ask, every need I could ever have. He provided fulfillment for it. If only I take the answer. If only I take the answer. Man, take. Take. I receive. I receive you, Lord. I receive your blessing. I receive your Holy Spirit. 
Now, I mentioned about cancer and all, all the folks in here and people that have died. Let's say I gather up all the people I know and love. I know and love them. I say, hey, we're going to have a meeting. Um, it's very important, y'all who have cancer. I've just You've got to come and come to this meeting and be with me. And uh, I'm going to share with you something that's going to change your life. And then you come in, you sit down, and you say, well, he's a credible guy. You know, I'll go. And you sit down, and you say, okay, what's this all about? And I say, listen, I've got the cure to cancer. I'm going to end cancer. For everybody that takes this solution, I'm going to end cancer. You're not, you'll not have cancer one more day in your life. But you've got to take it. And let's say it's a pill. Let's say it's a dropper. Let's say, I don't know what it is, a pie with ice cream on That's what I'd like. Um, right? And so you, so we, I, I say, look, this is the answer right here. And you say, well, I want that. Okay, well, there it is. And then if you sit there and you sit back and you say, all right, yeah, I want that. I say, okay, well, then all you need to do is take it. Well, I I really want that. I believe in that. I believe that'll work. I firmly believe that thing right there on the table. It looks like cherry pie homemade by Miss Charlotte with some nice ice cream. It looks like that, but it really is the cure to cancer, and I, I believe that that will heal me. And you know what? Everybody, everybody, everybody but one runs up there, and they say, let me go and get my piece of Miss Charlotte's cancer-curing pie. And they believed just the same as that other fellow that's sitting back there says, no, I believe. I do believe in that. I trust you're a credible guy. But he never leaves his seat. The deal is you got to get up, and you got to go over, and then what do you have to do? You, you, what do you have to do? You have to take it. You have to take it. You have to take it into your body. You have to take it off the table. You have to put it into your body. You have to take your faith. You know, there's something called the Aladdin factor. Have any of you ever heard of that? Uh, Victor, Victor uh, Canfield, his name, he did an a amazing, amazing audio recording of the Aladdin factor. And it's a principle that he really elaborated on. It's an old principle. But, you know, if you're bumping along, you're going, and you, you, maybe somebody in your family passed away, and you're going to clean out their attic or something, and uh, you get over there and you find this, this little, uh, it, looks, it looks like a gene lantern, who knows, but it also looks like if you shine that sucker up, she'd glow and might be gold and you could sell it for something, you know, because you you got to get something out of this deal, clean up a bunch of junk and old Reader's Digest condensed book stuff, you don't want, <laughs> you don't want them, so you say, well, here, I found something might be worth something, so what do you do? You try to shine it up, right? You take your how do we do? We take a sleeve and we rub it on it real hard and then poof, out comes the genie. Genie says, I'll give you three wishes. <clears throat> Don't say I want three more, you know, or I want unlimited wishes. Everybody does that. They fall for that. Now, I've not done this, but I know not to make that mistake. Rookie mistake when you're dealing with genies. This is just a tip for me to you if this ever happens to you. <laughs> But the Aladdin factor is, right, you rub the lamp, that's great, it's a huge thing, boy, we're really excited about that, but then what has to happen? You have three, you have three wishes. What do you have to do? You've already rubbed the lamp, you found the lamp, you rubbed the lamp, the genie came out, you believe there's a genie, why? Because you can see the genie, it's credible. But what do you have to do? What do you what do you have? This is a raucous crowd. I'm telling you, folks. Radio audience, I'm telling you right now, you don't know what you're missing. So, so what do you have to do? You have to take, you have to 
you have to ask for the thing, and then what do you have to do? You have to take. You have to take all of it. You have to. You have to receive it. You have to take it. That's the deal. You having a genie is great, but you got to take it. There's so many people that live in bondage in their life, emotional bondage, spiritual bondage, all kinds of bondage in their life. They live in such bondage. really is tragic because they don't take that thing that God offered. He's not going to shove it on you. He's going to say, here, come take this. Take it by faith. So the text that I read at the beginning, just for fun, that was free of charge. Now we're going to get in the actual sermon. Among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greek-speaking Jews. They approached Philip and the one from Bethsaida in the Galil with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Yeshua. That's a complete Jewish Bible, John 20, uh, 12, 20, 21. And another, another translation says, take us to Jesus. Take us to Jesus. Man, is there some power in that? The text was the language of a certain Gentile, uh, of certain Gentile proselytes who had come up to worship at the feast of Jerusalem or Jerusalem, who came to Philip and said, "Sir, we would like to see Jesus. We would see Jesus. Let us consider. Let us consider a few things. I'll be quick. It's almost over. I told you I'm, I'm probably going to have 20 or 30 minutes left over. Oh wait, we're at 26 minutes. Probably won't have 20 or 30 minutes left over. I rescind that opportunity. So what this desire implies." They want to see Jesus. Why do you want to see somebody you don't know a little something about? They have some knowledge of him. They heard about him. The stories were circulating like wildfire. His name was familiar to them. They had some idea of his pretensions to the messiahship. And you know what it implied? It implied an ardent longing that this knowledge might be increased. Man, if I see him, what will happen? What they knew was insufficient for experimental and practical purposes might be very limited. And in many things, his correct view of Christ is of the greatest importance. We should know him in his titles, in his offices, and in his work. We should know him personally in a saving way. You know, you ever think you know somebody and they do something so incredibly uncharacteristic? Have you ever known that? Somebody like that. They're so, you know them, you think you know them so well, and then all of a sudden they do something so uncharacteristic, and you say, whoa, that caught me by surprise. Guess what? Yeshua will never do that to you, except to surprise you and bless you. He'll never surprise you and harm you. He'll surprise you and bless you. But you know what? Wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to know who and what he is? Man, how powerful that you could get to know him personally, but you can't do it unless you go to him. You've got to go to him. The employment, this is what it included, This, this, what they're saying here, the employment of proper means to increase this knowledge. They came to Philip and they inquired. They said, look, we want to know. Uh, some of the translations say, we want to hearken unto Jesus, to come to him, to behold him. But you know what we have? We weren't walk, we're not walking the same sandy path that uh, that Yeshua walked, Jesus walked. We're not doing that. We're not in the Holy Land. Although I know lots of people. Once you know what, I know lots of people. They go every year and they walk where it said that Yeshua walked, and they said the power of that experience is 
indescribable. It's indescribable to stand on the same ground that Hamashiach, that Jesus Christ the Messiah, stood on. The Redeemer. He stood here. Drops of blood from the Christ fell here. And I'm standing here now. Wow. That's something powerful. But you know what? You can't can't do that unless you go to it. Christ and a relationship with him isn't going to happen. It's not going to bless us unless we go to him. We have his word. And he reveals us his ordinances where he is exhibited, his gospel where he is published. Now, I want you to notice these things. The reasons on which this desire may be grounded. Look, on account of what may be seen in Christ, there is to be seen in Christ what is not to be seen elsewhere in Christ. You're going to see things you won't see anywhere else. You're going to experience things you won't experience. People say, well, I, I tried to get to know Jesus and you know what? Nothing was different. Got a newsflash for you. Then you don't know Jesus. Then you didn't meet Christ. Then you didn't come into the presence of the Holy One, the Redeemer, the Messiah, the Savior, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then you, if nothing is different, then I guarantee you, you didn't have an encounter of the Holy kind. The brightest in Christ there is. This is what we know. We know you know you're in the right place if this happens. The brightest display of divine glory. We behold his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Glory of God exhibited in the works of nature and in providence, but in Christ it is concentrated. Fullness of the Godhead dwelt in him bodily. There is to be seen in Christ the clearest manifestation of the divine perfections. In him were exhibited boundless knowledge. Almighty power, exuberant goodness, unsullied purity, and infinite mercy. In Christ, there is to be seen the only mediator between God and man. Let me say this to you about that. If someone tells you, well, you have to go here and talk to this fella in order to talk to God. Or you have to go over here and talk to this lady before you can talk to God. No. No, you don't. We can go direct to them. This is not the game of telephone. We say, Lord, I need an encounter with you. I need to visit with you. I need to have a tether to you, a very real connection with you right now, because you are holy. The Bible says he is the depository of all spiritual blessings. In him all fullness dwells, full of grace and truth. Pardon for the guilty, peace for the unhappy purity for the defiled, salvation for the lost, and eternal life for all who believe. The desire to see Christ may be grounded in and on. The advantages arising from a believing sight of him. Let's talk about that for a second. A believing sight of Jesus. How many people were around Christ when he was here on the earth and they didn't believe him? Do you know that that, uh, there were over 500 people that saw him ascend to heaven, and only 127, by record, what we know, about 127, actually believe what they saw. People say, Lord, come and do a miracle. I need you to do a miracle, then I'll believe. If you do this, I'll believe. Then what happens? The miracle happens and we don't believe. We chalk it up as all kinds of other things, anything but Jesus. You know what happens when Jesus works and moves in our life? When we say, Father, I need you 
to show me. I need you to give to me your your blessing. I need you to teach me. I need your instruction. And he does it. Then it's undeniable at that point. Mm -hmm. Then you can't say you didn't know. You can't say you didn't see. You can't say I didn't experience. The question is, do you receive it? A believing sight of Jesus. Let me tell you what that does. That enlightens the mind. Because Jesus is the true light. And believers become the children of light. Walking in the light. And you know what that light does? It cheers and it comforts the heart. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. John 140 and and other places. There's instances where Andrew and Simon and Philip and the woman of Samaria and John 428 talks about that. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. You know what? Seeing Christ, it transforms your soul. 2 Corinthians 3.18 goes this way. So all of us with faces unveiled see as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we are being changed into his very image from one degree of glory to the next by Adonai, the Spirit. Man, man. So you tell me you know Jesus, but that's not happened to you. You tell me you know Jesus, but nothing has changed inside you. Nothing has changed in your life. Everything is the same old thing. I'm here to tell you maybe you didn't meet Jesus. Maybe you need to dig and try and pray and cry deeper. Look, I'm, I'm as imperfect as anybody you'll ever see sitting in front of you. Any of you have known me any time, you know, well, that guy's imperfect. He's got a lot of hurts, habits, and hangups. He's got a lot of junk he's carrying around. But the fact of the matter is, I can say, I've seen Jesus. I've seen him in my life. I've seen him act in other people who were very close to me in their life. I've seen him act in the impossible. I've seen him move to me what in my life were mountains. I've seen him place something there that wasn't there, and I knew it wasn't there because I had proof it wasn't there. But guess what? Somebody else who didn't know anything about Jesus said, no, it's there. Wasn't there before, but it's there now, and it's yours. That's your blessing. Take it. You know what? When you're in the presence of Jesus, you'll be changed. People say, I I, I have struggled in my life to find Jesus. I say, stand still, look up, raise your hands, pray with all your heart and mind, and Jesus will be there. He said, I will not leave you, nor I won't forsake you. I won't forget you. I won't, I won't leave you standing alongside the road when you run out of gas. Well, put gas in your car. Don't be stupid. Don't run it empty over and over and over. But guess what? I'll be there with you. Some people say, yeah, but will God be with me in my troubles? Will God be with me in my sorrows? Man, let me tell you what. You want to know Jesus. Know Jesus when you're standing at the edge of your brother who's only a couple years older than you, of his graveside. You want to know Jesus. You stand next to your buddy who you've known since kindergarten who has lost 60 pounds and can barely get around. And you think, Lord Jesus. And then you hear this person testify to his faith, say, man, you got to be praying all the time, brother. You got to be praying all the time because the Lord is listening and you never know he's going to send into your life to bless you in a big way and a little way. Man, you got to be keeping short accounts with God. You got to be in communication. You can't forget. You can't give up. You can't quit on 
your communication with God. You've got to stay engaged. And then he'll change you. You know, there's some times when this is really powerful. I mean particularly powerful to realize. When our soul is burdened with a sense of guilt, you know, people say, I just don't hear from the Lord anymore. Sometimes you've got to ask the question, where have you been? Because he didn't go anywhere. He said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Where'd you go? Because he's the same place. No other name that can charm. No other voice that can speak peace. No other who possesses healing nature, healing virtue. Moses, he didn't have it. Prophets, they didn't have it. Apostles, they don't have it. Only Christ. Only Christ had it. And you know what? The language of the heavy laden, the heavy burdened, is, sir, I would see Jesus. In the day of trouble and affliction, affliction, you want to know when he can so powerfully be with you? In your day of trouble and affliction, he sympathizes, his presence supports, his grace is sufficient. Trust and believe that he's there. Look, if you don't take his presence onto you and into you, heart deep, soul deep, if you don't do that, if you just say, yeah, I know he's there, but you don't, you don't open yourself up. Make yourself vulnerable. Step outside of the, well, how would, well, I don't understand this whole Jesus thing. How could he be here and be there and be all that? Don't worry about that. Don't take that class. You know why? Because you're not going to be able to figure it out. You're here on earth. Now, when we get to heaven and he makes us perfect, we won't even have to ask anymore. You know why? Because we will be made perfect in his presence. There won't be a need to know anything else. You know why? Because we'll know. We'll be in the presence of the master. But until then, trust him. And believe that he will be with you. You know what? I'll tell you what. You see Jesus. And I mean in your prayer and in your spiritual, your deep feeding at the trough that is God's word. I'm going to tell you something. What in the world would we be without Christ? Where in the world would we be without his word? What is the word without Christ? It's nothing. It's words on a page. But we know that's not the case. We know by history, look, I've done sermon after sermon after sermon and speech after speech after speech and giving you so many evidences of, of Scripture, why it's divinely inspired, why you can believe it's true. You can go to the ninjapastor.com or drshawngreener.com. There's every one of those messages is free. You don't have to pay for any of them. They're on iTunes. They're on Blog Talk Radio, all that stuff. What is baptism or, or the Lord's Supper or praise time without Jesus there? I say sometimes, I got asked to pray at this real fancy church one time, and, and uh, I'm just an old country boy. I'm from Sussex County, Delaware. I, you know, I may have a little education, but I'm telling you, I'm still going to be an old country boy. And I can tell you this. They asked me to pray, and I kind of had to chuckle because there were some learned folks around there. And I said, you know, okay. And they said, yeah, go ahead and turn it loose. And I said, well, Father, we can't half worship if you're not here. We can't half we can't half do anything if you're not involved. We're just kind of spinning around here, chasing our tails here on earth. We need you to be here. We know you're here, but we're inviting you. We want you to know that you're invited. We're glad you're here, and we know that we we couldn't half do anything without you here. And you know what? When we do that, he comes to us. Simple words doesn't have to be fancy. It just has to be sincere. In the hour of disillusion, you know what? His rod and staff, they can only comfort. He guides us through the valley, every valley. 
there's some people in this room and all around the world right now that are listening to this that are in a valley. They're in a very difficult valley. They're in a challenge. You know what those valleys can be? When our friends fail us. Have you ever been failed by a friend? When we fail ourselves. When flesh decays and heart fails, he is the strength of our heart and our portion forever. Acts 7.55. And the view of faith in the dying Christian. You know, I mentioned some friends that are dealing with some very, very difficult things. And you know what? We've had those difficult tough conversations. And, you know, I've been next to a whole lot of people who are passing. I've held a whole lot of dying hands. I've been next to a whole lot of buddies and friends and dear ones who pass from this world to the next. And I can tell you, the ones that knew Christ, there was something powerful. There was something amazing. You couldn't half argue with that. You couldn't half argue where you were you were tethered between the, the bounds of earth and the heavenly realm. The moment the eyes close upon the face of Christ, they see. And you're tethered to that. You're connected to that. People say, you know, this person's really sick. I don't know if you want to come. It's a tough time. I say, oh, no, no, I'll be right there. You tell me, I'll come. If there's any way for me to come, I'll be there. Because that's a privilege, folks. That's a privilege. Now, it wears me out physically and emotionally and spiritually. It wears me out, but I'm telling you, it also lifts me. Isn't that funny how that happens? You stand in the presence of somebody that's about to depart this world, but you know they have unquestioned, they know in whom they've believed, and they know that he's able to do what he said he would do. Matthew 7, I think this is very, very powerful. Well, the, the Bible says we'll see him as he is. Keep asking and it will be given to you. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking and the door will be opened to you for everyone who keeps asking receives. He who keeps seeking finds. And to him who keeps knocking, the door will be opened. Is there anyone here who, if his son asks him for a loaf of bread, will give him a stone? You know, what's the common word there? What is the common word that we read there? Keep asking. Don't give up. Don't quit. And it will be given to you. Keep seeking. Don't stop looking. Why did you stop looking? It's like me with supplements. Now, I have a brain injury, and there are certain things that I'm supposed to take that help me. But you know what? I will forget because I have a brain injury. I don't know why I do it. It's just my brain doesn't work. And so I will forget. It will help me, and then... All of a sudden, out of nowhere, one day, it'll be like, what are those things over there? I wonder what they're for. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I see right here. I'm supposed to be taking these every day. No wonder I'm feeling so bad. you got to keep taking it. Seeking. I'm going to talk to you for just a second about seeking. Have you ever lost anything really precious? Look, have you ever needed to be somewhere? And I don't mean just somewhere just for fun. I mean somewhere you better you had better be there. You need to be there. You absolutely must be there. But what happens? You're fixing to leave out of your house, and you're looking around and looking around and looking around. And guess what? You cannot find keys to your automobile. You can't you can't put the key in an ignition when you don't have the key to put an ignition. So what do you do? You say, well, that's too bad. I'm just going to go sit in my car, and I'm just going to pray. I'm going to pray, 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 pray. Lord, bring those keys to me. 
Whatever you got to do, bring those keys to me. I'm going to sit in this car, and I'm going to wait upon you, Lord. No, what's he do? He says, seek. How hard do you look for those keys? You've got to be somewhere really, really important. How hard do you look? How hard do you seek? Do you seek for a minute, and then you give up? You quit? Kids do that. Well, I looked everywhere, and I couldn't find it. Where'd you look? Well, I looked everywhere. Where's everywhere? Did you look here? No. Okay, then you look every. You didn't look everywhere. You've got to seek, and I mean seek like you mean business. Seek like the person who falls off a ship or off a dock and you go way down deep under the water. Maybe you had a weight on you and you're going to the bottom and you're sinking, sinking, sinking. You didn't take a deep enough breath to start with and you're going to the bottom. And you get to that bottom and I'm telling you, you're working on that knot, whatever that thing is that's tied on you, that's weighted on you, whatever, and your lungs are burning. Your lungs are burning. They're on fire. And you need oxygen. You need oxygen so bad. Lord Jesus, I need to breathe. But I can't breathe under this water. I can't breathe under this water. I'll surely die. You get the thing untied in the very last second. The very last second. And my goodness, you start kicking your legs in the lactic acid. And the lack of oxygen is built up in your thighs. And it's burning. You feel like you weigh a thousand pounds. And you swim. You get to the top and your face hits there. It's, you, you just you break that plane of water where you cannot breathe and air which you can. And you take the breath of a lifetime. You seek oxygen with a fervor that cannot be explained or described or understood unless you have been under the water, tied down with the weight. And you can't breathe. And you so desperately need that oxygen that you fill your lungs with that which you sought to save your life. I'm telling you, be the person that just broke the plane of the water. Remember what it was like when you couldn't breathe in and you were so desperate for a breath. You sought to breathe oxygen and then you broke that plane and you breathe it in. What if you prayed like that? What if you read scripture like that? What if you learned scripture like that? What if you came to the foot of the cross like that? What if you went to Christ and said, forgive me like that? What if you said, Father, I need your strength like that? You know what? You can't take that breath. You can't receive that oxygen. Unless you take that breath. Now here's the really deep, the really difficult question. And it all comes down. I think there's, there's probably only one way to explain it. It all comes down to this. How bad do you want to breathe? How badly do you want to live? You know, there's a lot of people out there that they could care less whether they take a nice deep breath of clean, pure oxygen. There's a whole lot of people out there. You say, Dr. Sean, that sounds stupid. That doesn't make any sense. How many people do you know that are living half a life? How many people do you know that are smiling half a smile, laughing half a laugh, praising half a praise, pleading half a plea, praying half a prayer, worshiping halfway, praising halfway, halfway grateful. That's no way to live. 
That's no way to live. My challenge to you this week is simple. It's really, really simple. Look upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon him. Don't look some, like the hymn says, don't look some on him. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Man, that's the ticket. And then when you turn and you look, take a breath. And then like this passage, Matthew 7 says, I encourage you to read it. Keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. And you know what you're going to... You know what's going to happen? If you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, you keep searching, you're going to keep finding Christ. Join us next time for Sundays with Dr. Sean. And please follow this show and the Collision of Faith and Politics radio show during the week at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash the ninja pastor. And follow Dr. Sean on Twitter at The Ninja Pastor and on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash God in Country Radio. And check out all the free messages, archive shows, and buy Dr. Sean's critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America at www.drshawngreener.com. Join us during the week. And in the meantime, Dr. Sean will be fighting for you and for this great country. Thank you for joining us in this fight.